Okay, God is good, you know, and I've um, titled this message today, Brush or Touch, Brush or Touch. And the reason why um, I've, t- I've titled it Brush or Touch is that's my question to you this morning. Are you going to brush or are you going to touch? Are you intrigued yet? Okay. Okay, I'll go further. Well, the dictionary definition, you know, I always like to give you an English lesson. Dictionary definition of the word brush is a light and fleeting touch. A light and fleeting touch. And other words associated with it are skim, graze, glance. So if I was to brush against somebody in a crowd, I would just lightly, fleetingly brush off them. You know, I might just skim past them. I might just glance in their direction. I might just graze by them as I was going by. You know, it wouldn't be very significant. It wouldn't be, you know, very, it'd be very actually non-committal. There'd be no commitment in it. It would be just a, a graze or a slight touch. There'd be no real meaning to it. You know, it would be very lightly done and would have no real impact, okay? No real meaning or impact. I could brush off somebody in a crowd as I'm in a crowd and not think anything of it. I might realize I've done it, I might not realize I've done it. They might realize I've done it, they might not realize I've done it. There's really very little to it, it's just a brush. We may not even notice we've done it. But then touch, touch now is exactly the opposite. Touch is, touch is very, very different. Touch is, the dictionary definition of the word touch is to come into or be in contact with. So that's very different. Here now we have lightly, fleetingly against coming in contact with. So it can, another way it said it in the dictionary was to handle in order to interfere with, alter, or otherwise affect a situation. So if we touch something, it has the potential to affect the situation, to change the situation, to alter it. Um, when I touch something or come in contact with them, I can alter things, you know, and a touch can affect the situation. A touch is more definite. A touch is more intentional. You know, if your child is running out into the roads um, in front of an oncoming car, you don't just brush off them. Sure, you don't. No, you touch them. You grab them. You change that, that outcome that could, you know, the oncoming car. You're going to prevent them from being hurt. Amen. Touch. There's a... There's a it's, it's more deliberate, it's more definite, it's, it's changing. A touch changes, amen, and it can stop a, te- a potentially dangerous situation. And I was just, I heard during the week that there was a, an experiment done a number of years ago with nurses and babies. And they were told in this hospital that um, a certain amount of babies, they were just to take them, feed them, and change them and put them back down. But another batch of them, they were to change them, feed them, and then cuddle them, caress them, rub them, you know, hug them, kiss them, nurture them in that way. And the results apparently were amazing, the results. The babies that had been touched and caressed and loved and hugged and kissed, they thrived compared to the babies that had just been fed and left down. The babies thrived, and that's because touch, you know, we respond to touch. We as human beings respond to touch. That's the way we're created. Amen. We respond to touch and we respond to touch in a positive way. You know, it's important to know that it's a positive way. Touch is significant. Touch is more definite thing. Touch is more deliberate and a touch can change everything. And I just want to tell you this morning that yes, a touch can change everything, but a touch with Jesus. Whoa. That can change everything. Amen. Praise God. A touch of Jesus. So I just, that's my question to you today before we even get into it is, are you going to brush against Jesus? Are you going to touch Jesus? Okay. I know my answer already, but anyway. Are you going to lightly and fleetingly touch against him? Are you going to go and intentionally touch? Are you going to go and definitely, in order to change your situation, touch Jesus? 
Let's look at a couple of people that did that. Let's chart to silver. Mark chapter 5 and verse 21. Mark chapter 5, a little bit to read, so maybe just turn over there if you can. Mark chapter 5 and verse 21. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, when Jesus crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him thronged him notice thronged now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians she had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse when she heard about jesus she came behind him in the crowd and touched everybody say touched his garment for she said if only i may touch everybody say touch his clothes i shall be made well Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched, everybody say touched, my clothes. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? Everybody say touched. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some, of the, some from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, came and said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he said to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, sorry, then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. And he, when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Taliti, Talita kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know of it and said that something should be given to her to eat. Jesus is cool, isn't he? Jesus always thinks of the belly. Praise God. This account, okay, this woman and Jairus and the issue of blood and Jairus appears in three of the Gospels. It appears we read it from Mark. It also appears in Matthew and Luke. Now, when an account, because I hate to call them stories, as you know, because they're accounts, they're real, they happened. When an account appears in more than one of the Gospels, it's not that it's any more important than other stuff that we read in the Bible, but it's just saying, hey, this is significant. There's something here that God wants us to see, and there's something here that God wants us to know, something here that God wants us to understand, okay? So here we have, Jesus is still on his circuit, right? He's traveling around, he's teaching, he's healing, and there's always a crowd thronging around him. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's a crowd, okay? Remember the story of the four friends that had to lower their other friend down through the roof on the stretcher? Do you remember in front of Jesus? Why couldn't they get into the house through the front door? the crowd the crowd they couldn't get in by normal means amen because of the crowd there's always a crowd around jesus jesus crossed over the boat with the boat to the other side and guess what there's a crowd waiting for him amen everywhere he goes there's a crowd that says something doesn't it that says something 
So there's a crowd around Jesus. They're pushing and they're, they're shoving and there's a crowd around. And this man named Jairus, who's a ruler of the synagogue, he comes up to Jesus, right? Now, the Bible, the interesting thing here is the Bible gives this guy a name. He says his name is Jairus. Now, it says his name is Jairus because he's a ruler of the synagogue, which means he was known in the area. He's probably held in somewhat high esteem because he's a ruler. He's the leader in the synagogue. He's a pastor, if you will. And he's, he's known in the area, so we know his name here, right? We know his name, and we know that he has a 12-year-old daughter, and the daughter is dying, amen? So he comes, he falls at Jesus' feet, and he begs Jesus earnestly, the Bible says, to come and lay hands on his daughter, and she will be well. He knew, isn't that so amazing? Yeah. He knew if Jesus comes, she'll be well, amen? Now, the Bible doesn't say what Jesus said, but Jesus went with him, and guess what? As Jesus is going with him, there's a crowd following him again, okay? The crowd's intense. Can you see the picture? The crowd's intense. People are thronging. The Bible uses that word thronging. They're thronging around him, amen? Can you imagine it? People everywhere, no personal space. People brushing off each other, okay? Arms brushing against arms, shoulders brushing against shoulders, clothes brushing against clothes. You know, people brushing against each other all brushing against Jesus as well. The crowd is thronging, thronging, thronging. And then we have this woman that comes into light. Now, I love this woman. She's one of my favorites. The Bible doesn't give her a name. The Bible doesn't say what she does. The Bible doesn't say where she's come from. We just know she's a woman, okay? She's a woman. She obviously, because it doesn't give her a name, she's probably not anyone of real importance in the day, doesn't have any huge significance. Now, does that make her any less important to God? No, absolutely not. Is she any less important than Jairus? No, absolutely not. He doesn't, she's not any less important than Jairus. But we know, we know Jairus' name, we know what he does, we know that he has a child, he's married, he has a child, and we know this woman, and that's all we know about her, that she's a woman. But they have something in common. Jairus has a need, this woman has a need. Okay, praise God. She has a need, and her need is that she has been bleeding for 12 years. This woman has been bleeding in some capacity for 12 years. 12 years, she has had a flow of blood. Some versions say it, she had a fountain of blood for 12 years. And not only has she suffered with this affliction for 12 years, but she's been to all the doctors she could find, and none of them could cure her. None of them could cure her. None of them could make her any better. None of them could tell her what to do or what not to do to make things better. And she has spent everything she has on all the doctors. And the Bible says she grew no better. In fact, she actually grew worse. How sad is that? She's been to every doctor. She spent all her money. She's had this for 12 years. This woman is not in a good place, amen? We can only imagine how she was. Can you imagine how she was? Weak tired, worn out, lightheaded, pale, thin, ghostly looking probably, no energy, and on top of it all, financially broke. Amen? Financially broke. And then that's the physical side of things, but then you have the other side, the spiritual side of things. We're assuming that she's an Israelite because the Bible doesn't say she's a Gentile, and normally when we're dealing with Gentiles in the Bible, the Bible says it was a Gentile, but they don't say that here, so we can only assume that she's an Israelite, okay? So that means that her religion, God's law at the time, says she's unclean. So not only does she have the physical stuff to deal with, but she has the spiritual side of it as well. She's considered unclean. 
you know? With this issue that she has in that day, under the law that day, she was considered unclean. So she's not supposed to touch anyone. If she had children, she couldn't touch her children. If she had a husband, she couldn't touch her husband. She actually should have been in isolation. She's an outcast. In that day, she would have been considered an outcast. Amen? An outcast, lonely. Can you imagine, on top of all the physical stuff, she's lonely. If she has children, she probably can't be near her children. At this stage, maybe her husband's divorced her. Who knows? Isolated, weak from all the loss of blood. You have to remember, blood is life. Blood is flowing out of her. Life is flowing out of her all the time. Amen? No interaction, no hugs, no kisses, no encouraging tap on the back, no words of affirmation. Amen? A social outcast. Weak, worn out, bleeding physically, bleeding psychologically, bleeding emotionally. Amen? This is a lot. Amen? It's like, the sad thing is, it's almost become her identity. Because when we talk about her, we talk about her as a woman with the issue of blood. Amen? It's like it's become her identity. And according to the law, she has no right, no right to go to the one that can heal her. And like, this is not a law where, you know, you're breaking the speed limit. You know, you're doing 60 kilometers an hour in a 50 kilometer zone. No, this is God's law. Amen. This is God's law. She's not supposed to break this. But the Bible says that she heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. Now, we don't know specifically what she heard or how she heard it. But all we know is she heard it. What did she hear? Did she hear that Jesus heals people? Did she hear that Jesus never refuses? Did she hear that Jesus is loving? Did she hear that Jesus is kind? Did she hear, you know, like that Jesus, people come to Jesus and when they go away, they go away totally changed? We don't know what she heard, but she heard about Jesus. Amen. She heard about Jesus and she comes behind him. She comes up behind him in the crowd. Now, can you get this scenario? Okay, this woman, the social outcast, I want you to picture her, social outcast, miserable, wrecked, sick, 12 years, worn out, no money, nothing, not supposed to be near anybody. The crowd is thronging around you. Can you picture a crowd that you have ever been in? Have, can you picture a crowd that you have ever been in? In 1996, Wexford won the All-Ireland. End along brought me to every game all through the summer, amen? Every game. And I had a loyal supportive wife went, even though I'm not a sporting fan. But Wexford did great that year. And we went to every game, every game up along. And I remember I came to the All-Ireland course. Once it gets to that stage, tickets are scarce. I said to Enda, I've done enough. It's fine. Make, just get a ticket for yourself. Get a ticket for yourself. He said, OK. Gets a ticket for himself. That's fine. I'm not going. He rings me one day in work. I can still see where I was sitting in work, another job. And he said to me, I have a ticket for you. I said, and uh, I don't have to go to this one. You just, no, you've come to all the games. You're coming to this one, he said. You're coming to this one. So we go to the game, right? We get these brilliant seats down near the front, right? Wexford play really, really well. Oh, we had the best seats. We're God's favorite. We had the best seats down near the front, okay? Down near the pitch. Wexford score and score and everybody's, the atmosphere is electric and Enda Long loses the run of himself and the final whistle blows and Wexford have won. 1996, it's been, I don't know, many years since they'd won before. Enda Long grabs me by the hand, darts out onto the pitch <laughs> to the team, forgets. What I failed to tell you is I was eight months pregnant at the time. <laughs> he grabs me by the hand and he darts out onto the pitch, middle of the pitch. The crowd, now we're near, so when we get there, the crowd is not too bad. 
But as time goes on, they're all running down out of the stands and they're all running onto the pitch and the crowd is getting intense, intense, intense. I remember it so well. I remember starting <laughs> Because all the time I'm thinking of the bump, the bump, the bump. This is all I can think. She's eight months. She's going to be born in Croke Park. <laughs> you know? That's all I can think of. Somebody's going to touch me. Somebody's going to bump off me. Somebody's going to whop her. Somebody's going to give her an elbow or a knee or something. And I remember saying to Enda, we have to get out of here. And he looked down, because he's taller, he looked down at me and he goes, he looked at the, you know, he was kind of considering his options that he was all Ireland, you know. And he looked at the mum and he goes, okay then. So he got, he got me out. But we had to weave out of that crowd. We had to weave out of that crowd. A crowd so excited, so, so up for it, so intense, thronged around us. And we had to weave our way out. Weave, weave, weave our way. And she ended up in two weeks late. What do you do? Like, we have plenty of time. Praise God. But I just want you to think about this woman, this sickly woman. And she comes up behind Jesus. Now, can you imagine? She's heard about Jesus. She's heard whatever she's heard. The way we talked about it, what she's heard. And she makes up her mind that if she could just touch. She could just brush against him fleetingly and lightingly. Could she just glance in his direction? No. If she could just touch if I could just touch. Some translations say, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, the hem, the very bottom, the dirty hem that's walked around, dusty and dirty from walking on those roads at that time. If I could just touch his garment, I would be healed. Can you imagine with every move, I'm sure every step she took or every call she made, whatever way she did it, if I could just touch, if I could just touch, if I could just touch. I'm sure like she had to weave her way in and out of the crowd, those sweaty, smelly armpits, in and out of the crowd, the men taller than her, you know, the women maybe looking at her, you know, people maybe realizing, oh, what's going on here? And she had to just, I'm sure she had to keep encouraging herself, if I can just touch, 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 amen? She comes up behind Jesus in the crowd and she touches him. She doesn't come up behind Jesus and graze against him. She doesn't come up behind Jesus and lightly touch against him. She doesn't come up against Jesus and, you know, just skim past him. She doesn't just glance in Jesus' direction and give him the thumbs up. No, she touches. She touches. She definitely, she immediately, she definitely, like she intentionally, intentionally touched Jesus. She touched him. She touched him. And the Bible says she touched him and immediately she was healed. Immediately. Immediately. She deliberately, she intentionally went to touch Jesus to change that situation that she was in. Amen? And what does Jesus do? He turns around and he asks, what does he ask? Who touched me? Who touched me? The disciples are flabbergasted. They're saying, Lord, there's people thronging around you. There's people bumping off you everywhere. How can you say, who touched me? They're all touching us. But the disciples didn't know. They didn't know that people were brushing against Jesus. They didn't know that somebody had actually touched Jesus. Amen. They didn't know. They didn't know. They didn't know. Praise God. And the woman comes. Jesus says, who touched me? And the woman comes fearing and trembling. I was thinking about her during the week. Remember now, she's broken God's law, for yes. starters. Yes. Right? Can you imagine her? Can you imagine how she came? The Bible says she comes fearing and trembling. He says, who touched me? 
she comes fearing and trembling. Can you imagine how she, the Bible says she's, she told him the whole truth. Can you imagine? It probably came out, you know, I've been losing blood for 12 years. I've been to all the doctors. I have no money. I've lost my children. I've lost my husband. I've lost my husband. I heard about you. And blah, 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 blah. She probably came tumbling out of her mouth with fear and trembling. Amen. She probably just babbled it all out. Sick for 12 years. Couldn't be healed by doctors. No money left. Heard about you. Thought if I could just touch your clothes. But don't you love Jesus' response? He is the coolest Oh my gosh, he is the coolest, isn't he? He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Now there's two things I want you to see here. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Number one, she is the only woman in the Bible that Jesus ever refers to as daughter. She's the only woman. Imagine being her. I'm going to meet her in heaven. I'm going to shake her hand. I'm going to say, daughter. She's the only woman that he's ever called daughter. And number two, don't forget about Jairus. He's over here now, remember? He's over here. And he has come to Jesus. He has come to Jesus. And now he's standing there in the wings. He has come to Jesus, right? And he has a daughter. Isn't it funny? I think that's all funny, you know? This is a woman. Jairus has a daughter. He has a daughter here now, right? Yeah. Who needs him to fight for her. Yeah. Who needs him to represent her because she's sick at home. Amen. And Jairus is here fighting and representing his daughter to Jesus. But this woman had no one to fight for her. She had no one to represent her. And it's like, I just love this, because it's like Jesus is saying to her, daughter, you have no one to fight for you, no one to represent, represent you. Yes, you do. You have me. He calls her daughter. I'm your father. Today you have a family. This woman, isolated, social outcasts, nobody, lonely, miserable, sick, and now she's healed, she has a daddy, she has a family. Amen. Isn't God so good? Isn't he so good? You might think, girl, that you have no one to fight for you. You might think, girl, that you have no one to represent you, but you do. You might think, son, that you have no one to fight for you. You might think, son, that you have no one to represent you, but you do. Amen. But I thought she broke the law. Didn't she break the law? I thought she broke God's law. Amen. She did. But you know what? God had always planned that Jesus would come and do greater than the law. Amen. Yeah. The law couldn't save. Amen. The law couldn't impart life. But Jesus could. Amen. You know, this really, guys, is a beautiful picture of the gospel. She broke the law. She came to Jesus. She turned her, he turned around. She was bleeding physically. She was also bleeding spiritually, we have to remember, amen? This is a message of the gospel. No matter how we come to God, it doesn't matter how we come to God, amen? It doesn't matter what issues we've had in our lives. It doesn't matter, you know, where we're bleeding from or how much we're bleeding, amen? Whatever the case may be, every time we touch Jesus, we will be healed, amen? Yeah. We will be healed physically, we will be healed spiritually, amen? You have to remember that the moment that you think that you are too unworthy, that you are too dirty, or that I couldn't touch Jesus because you don't know where I've been last night, or you don't know what I did last week, or you don't know what I did in the last year, I can't touch Jesus. The moment you have that in your head, well, then you're saying that your sin is greater than what Jesus did. And that's no longer the gospel then anymore. You're saying that Jesus is no longer seated at the right hand of the Father. And then the gospel ceases to be the gospel. Amen. You have to remember, Jesus is greater than your sin. 
Jesus is greater than your sin every day. Jesus is greater than your sin every second of every day. Amen. We have to believe that. We have to believe that if we are too messed up or too dirty to come to Jesus in our own heads, well, then we're going to run away from Jesus. And that's not what Jesus wants. Amen. You have to come to a place where, you know, if you're at your wit's end and you've done everything you know to do, but, you know, I know what I did last night. I know I did what I shouldn't have did. I know I probably didn't do stuff that I should have done. I know, you know, I know I'm dirty like this woman, but I know I can still come and touch Jesus. We have to know that. Amen. Yeah. This woman came broken. This woman came dirty. She reached out to Jesus and Jesus gave her everything he wants to give to every person. Amen. He's not a respecter of persons. What he did for that woman, he will do for us. Amen. Yeah. Physical healing. Woohoo! Praise the Lord for physical healing. Amen. That's great. But he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Now, the word well here used in this form actually means salvation in a form. Amen. So not only was she healed physically, but she received salvation that day. Amen. Not only had she stopped bleeding physically, but now she stopped bleeding for spiritually as well. Amen. God is good. <laughs> Every part of you that's messed up, every part of you that's messed up and bleeding on the inside, come to Jesus. Amen. Yeah. He'll make you whole. Amen. He'll make you spiritually whole. He'll make you physically whole. This is powerful stuff, guys. This is Jesus. Amen. Jesus is power. He reigns. He rules with wisdom, power, and love. Amen. Jesus tells her her faith has made her well. And just before we wrap up, this is what I want you to see, her faith in Jesus. Now listen to me, her faith had made her well. Not her faith in his robe, amen. Not in her faith in what she, part of Jesus she touched. It was her faith in Jesus. Jesus healed her. Jesus healed her physically. Jesus healed her spiritually, amen. And we need to be careful there because sometimes, and I know I have done it in the past, we kind of um, nearly elevate the situation. You know, if God did something big for you, say, in your life, we kind of nearly elevate the situation that we were in when that happened. You know, we were down at the front when it happened, or we were at the back when it happened, or we were wearing a certain top when it happened, or there was a certain song playing. So now all the time that song has to be playing for Jesus to work. No, 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 it's your faith, yeah. your faith, your faith that makes you well. Amen, your faith. And God wanted her to see that, daughter, your faith has made you well. Amen, your faith. But God wants you to know, hey, it's me that heals you. It's me that saves you. Amen. Regardless of where you are, what you're at, you know what? Jesus probably changed that robe when he went home. Amen. It wasn't a robe. It was Jesus. Amen. God is faithful. However we come to him, however we reach out to him, whatever state we're in, he is faithful. Amen. He is faithful. Hebrews 4, 15, 16. I just want to finish with this scripture. There's so much more. But God is good. Now that we know, Hebrews 4, 15, 16. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers, guys. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him. Amen. Let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. I love that. Let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Amen. Take the mercy, accept the help. Help. That's the mercy message version of that. 
take the mercy, accept the help. What he's so ready to give. She went up to him that day and she touched. He was so ready to give it. The crowd thronged around him that day. They were all brushing off him. They, were, yeah. they had needs too. Amen. Yeah. They may be sickly in their own bodies. They may have had someone at home sick. They may have had a financial need. They may have had a need in their marriage. They may have had a need in a relationship. They may have needed a, a new job. They had needs. Amen. They had needs. But they brushed. Yes, they were there with Jesus. And we can come and we can sit here on a Sunday morning and say, I'm great. I was in church. But you know what? They were all around Jesus. And they went home without their needs being met. But she went and she touched. Amen. She went and she touched. She touched. She deliberately, she intentionally touched. She deliberately and intentionally touched. Why? Because she knew this will change my situation. This guy can change my situation. Amen. So I just encourage you this morning, do not go away without your needs met. Amen. Touch Jesus. Touch, touch, touch Jesus. Amen. He is, what does it say there? Let's walk right up to him. We can do that now. Amen. Let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. So ready to give. He will not withhold anything, guys. He will not withhold anything from us. Amen. And you know, I was just thinking about this during the week and I was thinking, we need to tell more people about this. You know, Enda's been teaching for the last several weeks on inclusion. We need to tell people. This is for us, yes, but it's for them out there as well, amen? It's for them out there. He is, look, they can walk right up to him because why? He is so ready and willing to give, not just to us because we're, we're good, we come to church. He is so ready and willing to give to them out there as well, amen?